And we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Up here coming to you live from the Smith River on this beautiful summer day. I got to be honest, I did not want to come inside. Was out there uh, doing a little gardening and realized it's time for another AlphaCast. So we're here with uh, the one and only Alex Zek. We are excited to dive deep with him today and get a little... Um, uh, more information on his life and um, what brought him here and his journey to uh, Health Freedom for Humanity and all the wonderful things he's doing. Uh, we couldn't be happier to have this amazing community we've developed through, uh, the, through the, the podcast and through everything we're doing on the farm. We are just so blessed and happy to be here. Um, if you are interested in getting more information about Alpha Vedic, uh, which is the enterprise behind the podcast and by everything we do, you can go to our website, alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. We do have a co-op you can join that is an online co-op that we are growing and moving towards doing more in-person meetups. Um, if you are interested in coming and seeing us at the AV Gardens, that is the route to take, go through the co-op. Um, we are giving people in the co-op preferential uh, access first and foremost. We do have a long, long list of people who wanna come and see us, but the co-op is the way to, to do that. Um, we uh, also have a GoFundMe still running as we are using that to build out um, some structures on the land so that we can provide an educational platform and space on the land so that we can um, help you guys uh, help us. And uh, it's really magical to see people coming together in person. We've had a number of visitors to the gardens in the last few weeks this summer and being able to see you guys in person, hug, um, and, and enjoy each other's fields physically is to me the new punk rock. <laughs> That's like coming together in person is punk rock these days. So um, thanks again so much, everybody. And thanks for all the support. We love you and appreciate you and um, are very excited to have Alec on today. Alec is a speaker, writer, mind, body, spirit coach, and former army captain. Uh, he's here to discuss uh, the reclamation defense of health freedom with us today and wherever else we go. Um, Alec Zek, um, he's executive director and founder of Health Freedom for Humanity, which is a nonprofit whose mission is to unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, the reclamation and defense of health freedom. And that he's also the co-founder of The Way Forward, which Bear and I will be on the podcast tomorrow. So that's exciting. Uh, Alex's work is centered on the notion that the universe is one being that is exploring itself in an infinite for the purpose of self-realization. That is like basically what we talk about on the regular here. That's amazing. Um, with this context, his speaking and writing spans the spectrum of mind, body, spirit, wellness, the law of one, reconnecting with nature, childhood trauma healing, natural health, and identifying and mitigating the effects of oppressive systems. Alec received his BS in systems engineering from the United States Military Academy at West Point. He and his siblings grew up in a very chaotic and abusive household where he was physically, emotionally, and verbally abused. He had very little self-worth, so he learned to, uh, to externalize in order to feel. His immersion in a military environment with a rigorous academic schedule gave him the critical thinking skills, discipline, structure, and time management skills that he needed, but he, didn't he hadn't yet healed his trauma and learned to find peace within. After graduating, multiple traumatic events transpired that forced him to turn inward and heal his childhood trauma. And by chance, he discovered the law of one, which is interesting. I'm looking forward to going deeper into this, into raw and all that, because I've 
jumped into this again, Alex. So this is good timing. Um, all of this happening in such a short time frame led him down a rabbit hole of questioning and relearning everything he had been taught to accept, breaking through the conditioning, health, medicine, politics, free will, and the nature of reality, to name a few. Uh, through his writing, Alec encourages others to think beyond what is fed to them and aims to help usher in the reality of unity to humanity's next generation. For those of you who missed the um, Music and Sky event, uh, this up and uh, reunion summit, uh, this uh, episode will forge you a front row seat with Alec, who greatly inspired our audience in that summit uh, and with the Health Freedom for Humanity panel. Welcome, Alec, and welcome to you, uh, Dr. Bear Paul Lando. How are you today, my fine friend? I'm doing great, uh, uh, and Alec, just so delighted to have you here. You know, I've been wanting to talk to you. I've kind of followed your work from afar a little bit, so this will be a really fun conversation. And Mike, I can uh, echo your sentiments. You know, the people that have showed up here lately on the farm are just uh, are just amazing people. With uh, great skill sets also, you know, really helping us accomplish a lot of work. So I'm just always amazed at the caliber of people that are out there supporting us and just kind of keeps us pumped, you know, and that we know the universe has our back, you know, just in the nick of time when we feel a little overwhelmed, somebody shows up. But Alec, thanks so much for being here with us today. And, you know, I have to be honest, if it was just you and I, I'd uh, have my druthers and just talk about handball. Um, you know, I used to, I know you're a, quite the handball champ. And uh, I played a lot of handball, you know, it's just to develop quickness, you know, in the old football days about 9 million years ago. And um, so, you know, but that's all fun stuff. And I know you're, you know, really involved uh, on the activism level. And, you know, I kind of got dragged out into the public a little bit because of my background in biotrain medicine. And, you know, I have pretty unshakable beliefs based on what I learned firsthand with my own eyes and clinical experience. And uh, so, you know, I get in a lot of uh, talks with people that approach it more academically. I'm more of a hands-on clinician kind of guy. What works, works. And if it doesn't work, I don't even care to talk about it. So um, the, the point is, though, is that, um, you know, there's a little bit of disagreement even within our own circles. You know, you got the germ theorists versus the bioterrain folks. And, and you know, Honestly, again, I have my beliefs that I'm pretty sure about, but to me, it really doesn't matter because we're really all on the same team. And the, the, you know, the thing that's most important to me, rather than getting into minutia on academics, is that it's number one about freedom of choice and also having the free flow of information in order to make an informed choice. And that's all I care about. And then if people decide whatever or, or want to argue academics, great, have a ball. Um, now, I know you're involved a lot with, uh, you know, freedom of choice and everything. Maybe, um, you know, Mike, since you kind of brought it up there, you know, the law of one, uh, you know, we kind of like to go into that kind of subject matter, too. Do you think we can maybe sort of lead in with wherever we're going today with maybe what that means to you, the law of one? And then uh, maybe after the fact, we can extrapolate and see how that might have anything to do with current events. Yeah, that'd be a good starting point. Um, thank you both for having me. This is an honor. I've respected and followed both of your work for this whole past year and beyond that. So to be able to speak with both of you and bear to be able to meet you virtually, hopefully in person at some point too, would be great. 
uh, on that ski trip we were talking about. But yeah, we can start with the law of one. And, you know, for me, the law of one was so transformational in my own personal healing journey. I had already uh, sort of dealt with the health aspect of things, seeing my mom who was harmed by the psychiatry industry uh, or the psychiatric side of allopathic medicine, and then meeting Dr. Kelly Brogan, who is a quote, pseudoscientific quack that spreads quote, misinformation. And my mom adopted uh, Kelly's approach to healing and within a few months began reversing all of her symptoms. And her symptoms previous to that were uh, multiple suicide attempts in and out of mental hospitals. Um, and it was such a nefarious thing because we thought that anytime she was experiencing her low moments, that the drugs weren't working. Anytime she was experiencing her high moments, we we're like, Oh, the drugs are working properly. And it was just this downward spiral. So long story short, my mom heals. And then my wife who had previously been diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis adopts the same approach that my mom did more so on the autoimmune side of things, obviously, begins reversing all of her symptoms as well. So those two things really sent me down a spiral of questioning the nature of health and disease beginning in 2016, having not healed much of my childhood trauma yet. That came later on when I was playing professional handball in Germany around uh, late 2017, early 2018. Uh, I was sort of by myself for the first time in a long time, only going to and from practice, playing with a professional team there uh, while in the army. So to give some context, I was in the US Army world-class athlete program. So I've never been in combat or anything like that. Most of my army career that I had was spent as a professional athlete, but getting into childhood trauma healing and really figuring out who and what I am, that came at the same time that I discovered by chance, the law of one. And now that I'm out of the army, I can say this. I was in Colorado and I uh, popped some shrooms by myself and I was sitting in, uh, (laughs) sitting in a bedroom, looking out at the stars and there's no light pollution in uh, Crested Butte. There's no light pollution whatsoever. I was really looking up at the stars and I was seeing like this, this grid that, that wove through everything. Like it would connect to each individual star that I was looking at connect to the mountain peaks that I could see the silhouette, connect to the earth, connect to me. And I had this thought that kept popping into my head as many people do when they experience these, uh, these plant medicines. And it was all is one, all is one. There's, we are all one thing that is modulating and experiencing itself in an infinite number of unique ways. And I looked up obsessively on Google, like what, like, what does this mean the next day? All is one, all is one. And I came across www.lawofone.info. And it stuck out to me immediately. And then I just read the summary of what the law of one was about. And even just reading the summary, it brought about so many eternal truths, things that had never been verbalized to me before that I had already thought, even in my previous evangelical, and I say that very loosely, evangelical Christian upbringing, it wasn't really much of that. But but the point is, even in that upbringing, I had always had these questions lingering in the back of my mind about the true nature of reality, whether reincarnation was real, whether uh, like where we actually came from, did were, did human beings evolve here naturally? Did some of us evolve here naturally? Were some of us put here by beings of higher uh, realms? And the law of one answered so many of those questions for me. And this is a really cool experience and story to tell, actually. So in the midst of me reading the law of one, I had a dream one night 
And this dream was still to this day, one of the most profound dreams I've had in my entire life. And this dream that I had was I was sitting and playing a game and it was a very lucid dream. I remember it and it was like I was experiencing it in reality. And across from me, across from the table was my grandfather who I had previously had a, a very bad relationship with. My family had dealt with a lot of generational trauma. My, my, my grandpa was very abusive to my dad. My dad was very abusive to me. And remember, this is in the midst of healing my childhood trauma, the stuff that I experienced at the hands of my father. I'm looking at my grandpa sitting across from me and we're talking about in, in the dream, whether we believe reincarnation is real. And my grandpa says he thinks maybe it is. And my grandpa's a very fundamentalist, orthodox Christian. Um, but in the dream, it's like I was talking to his authentic self. And he said he thinks reincarnation was real. And I got the urge to look at him and say, Grandpa Danny, I love you. And keep in mind, in reality, this is a person I wasn't presently talking to because of just the trauma that we had experienced. And in the dream, I just felt it deep within myself. To, and I felt it to say, I love you. I love you. And then he said, I love you too. And he started crying. And that moment I rose out of my body and it was an experience of me accepting my grandfather. And then also my father through like the generational trauma of what they had done, what they're continuing to do in many ways, but accepting them for who and what they were and loving them regardless, still with setting a boundary and not allowing them to impose their will upon me, but like basically the principle of universal acceptance. The next day, I read a passage in the law of one where it talks about how, uh, how raw and these positively oriented beings inspire people who are seeking in the direction of the law of one, meaning that they're seeking these universal truths that we are all one and that we are to treat other, not as other, but as other self, meaning that they are just an extension of the creator as we are. So we treat them with love and compassion, regardless of who they are. And Ra replied, this is the very next day after my dream, Ra replied, we, we uh, approach people uh, through insights that they get. And then most often dreams. It was the day after I'd had this phenomenal dream. And the, the part that I left out in this dream is after my grandpa and I embraced and I said, I love you to him. I like lifted out of my body in the dream. And I experienced the only thing I can describe it as is a Kundalini awakening where like I felt a vibration from the base of my spine up to, up to my crown chakra. But the craziest part is I woke up in actual reality and I was still vibrating. Like I felt the vibration running through me. My wife was upstairs because my son had woken up in the middle of the night and I ran up to her and it was like 530 in the morning. And I said, Kylie, I don't know what just happened, but I'm still vibrating right now. And I just had this dream. I have to tell you about it. And then, like I said, I read that passage the next day. So that's when I knew that even if the law of one and everything that it teaches is, is fake or if someone wants to believe it's not real, it still has a profound effect in how we approach life. And how we approach reality in that all things are one. And from that fundamental principle, you can view life in a way that you are automatically going to be loving for, towards other people and live in a symbiotic fashion with other people, regardless of differences and with your environment as well too. live in a very loving manner because you view all things as an extension of the creator, not better than, not worse than, not different than you wouldn't infringe or impose upon someone else. You also with a balance would not allow someone else to impose their will upon others. So long story short, this led me to my, like these law of one principles and the way that I view reality, along with natural health, healing my trauma, having dealt with narcissistic abuse so much in my life, dealt with manipulation, dealt with someone trying to frame things in a certain way that aren't true and observed reality, 
right? Like, like frame your perception in a way that doesn't meet what you're actually experiencing. Having all that come into uh, optimal solution, basically in, in 2019, having done so much trauma healing, my mom and I were talking like, what did we go through all this for? Like, how is this going to apply? And, and, and how can we help people with this? And then sure enough, 2020 comes, COVID hits. We have narcissistic abuse being inflicted upon all of humanity collectively, right? Trying to manipulate the narrative and get people to not trust what they're observing and experiencing with their own lived experience and their own eyes. And then we have the pharmaceutical industry who is trying, to, who is behind that, imposing their will upon everyone else and all the actors that come with that, all the big central banks and, and government. And then we have natural health principles that we had adopted four to five years earlier. And we had seen the, the transformational effects of stepping away from the allopathic system and adopting this approach to natural health, uh, where you can thrive and be, be vibrant outside of pharmaceutical products. And now I'm sort of looking at, at it in a way that those products are not beneficial at all, ever. Um, that's, that's a conversation for another time. But the point is COVID hits. And I decide because of my experiences, I had to start speaking. So that's, that's, what, that's what compelled me to speak. Well, we're glad you decided to speak because you've got a lot of great things to say. So the law of one, you know, in the way you're describing, I think you brought up some key points about dreaming. And, and of course, other cultures consider this the dream time. And uh, what we consider real is uh, the dream. And uh, I don't know about you, but the more those lines become blurred, uh, it seems like things out here and what we consider real seem to change more rapidly. And they also seem to change more according to maybe what I personally would like to see as a vision for my life and, and the planet that I live on. So I guess the real, um, I don't even want to call it a battle because it, it's not a battle, you know, only if we make it that way. But I guess the real um, issue today is um, that certain groups of people are trying to keep us in that dream time and just keep us stagnated in this and mired down so that we really don't, you know, understand what the true dream time is so we can manipulate and create from there, which is what we do. Now, in um, there, there's also one thing with the, the, the uh, what you're talking about where they call the, you know, the creator, there's just, you know, one creator, you know, one creation, but then there's also these distortions that come about along the way. Are these, uh, is your understanding that these are purposeful designed by the creator or things that we overlay the creator's creation with? Yeah. So uh, in my understanding of it, the, the way it works is we have the one infinite creator, which is the source of all things. Nothing exists outside of it. Nothing can possibly exist outside of it. So even, and this is a tough one for people to deal with, even the darker elements that we are dealing with in this earthly plane are part of that one infinite creator. They play a role. And I can, we can talk about the role that I think that they're playing um, for ultimately for our soul development. But the way that these distortions are designed, an example of that being the distortion of free will. Free will is a distortion in that our, at our source, the fundamental aspect of what we are, we are the creator. That is what each of us is. That is what this mouse is. That is what this cup is. Everything is a piece of the creator. But the distortion of free will, so that the creator can experience itself more authentically while representing us as uh, what, what Ra calls third density beings, 
human beings on this planet right now, in order for the creator to fully experience itself, it goes through a distortion or forgetting process of who and what we are. Because if we remembered at the onset of our lives who and what we truly are, then we would never choose the darker path. We would always view other not as other because we know fundamentally that we are not, there is no other, that we are all one being. So in order for the creator to more authentically experience and explore itself and make an authentic choice to either go one way or the other, we go through a distortion or forgetting process. And that comes about by forgetting who and what we are when we incarnate on this planet and having the ability to choose. And the role that these negative actors play, people that come to mind for me, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to say definitively, someone, some people listening might disagree. I actually, I highly doubt that on this podcast, but, but people like Bill Gates are there to offer us a choice. People like Klaus Schwab are there to offer us a choice. They are there to play the role to show us what the negative aspect looks like. And then we have people on the flip side who are showing us what the positive polarity looks like. And then we discern for ourselves and make an authentic choice that is most in alignment with us through this forgetting process for our soul development. And to be clear on this, Ross says people can develop and grow their soul on the negative path, but they have to be very, very, very negatively polarized. People can develop that way, but the way Ra lays it out, as, as billions of years and billions of incarnations go on, both in this third density plane and then fourth density, fifth density, sixth density, then seventh, and then you get to a new octave of existence. At sixth density, the way that it's designed, we all come back to, to source and we all come back to what we would call the, the positive uh, polarity. But that is the purpose of these negative actors is to offer us a choice. Outside of this physical reality, I, I would imagine that we are all understanding of like for soul development, soul growth, this is the role that we're playing in this lifetime to further develop consciousness. So behind the veils, is there like a casting room somewhere uh, <laughs> where they get people to play the villain roles? I mean, <laughs> Gates, Schwab, these guys are right out of the movies. I mean, you, you can't make this stuff up. They're, they're just so stereotypical. Especially Klaus Schwab, like a bald dude with like <laughs> religious garb, like Dr. Evil. The per- yeah, the perfect supervillain. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's because uh, like, honestly, that's a good question. I know it's a joke, but it's like, damn, I don't know. Are we like actually like talking about this? All right, I'm going to play this role in this life. You're going to play this role. And then maybe next life will switch. I, I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. what that looks like, but I get the feeling that it's uh, that that outside of this life, when we're when we're sort of looking down on what we're experiencing right here and right now, because there's an aspect of each of us that exists outside of linear time that is always connected to us. And we are all always connected to each other. I would imagine that it knows ultimately at the highest level that no matter what path is taken, uh, we eventually all come back to the understanding mm-hmm. of love and compassion. And it may take some souls a little bit more time to get there than others. Uh, but I think we eventually all turn back home and come back to love and compassion. And, and that's what the fundamental nature and fundamental uh, fabric of reality is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, I agree uh, on that. <laughs> the super conscious or the high conscious, 
I mean, even mainstream science has come to recognize this in the 20th century, this idea of a super conscious that's above. And that's, of course, what we aim to, to achieve in those blissful states of right breath work and yoga that, yeah. that's centered, you know. And yeah, the dualism is interesting, right? That's the engine that drives the reality. And I, I wonder, like, with the consciousness now becoming so interconnected because of the internet, and, and, and these other mechanisms as we become more of a global village. And, and what Ra kind of gets at and other people like Paul Selig, if you know him, who channels some interesting stuff that kind of resembles Ra, there seems to be this concurrent idea that consciousness, this reality is a collective reality, right? That our conscious kind of forms, shapes the Maya, shapes the matter. And I'm wondering now, because it seems to become, as Bear said, like these villains have almost become archetypes that make fun of themselves. It's becoming a joke. I wonder if we become, our super conscious become so interactive with, with the, the, the consciousness on this plane that we are now rapidly um, uh, creating almost a, a, a comical reality um, because we can formulate and change it and shift it so quickly. I really see that it's becoming so pliable and maybe, maybe this is, kind of that aspect of reality that as we move into the age of Aquarius or this this more air kind of movable reality that people like Steiner and these other luminaries have talked about in our evolution of consciousness, maybe that's what we're seeing now is we're seeing um, because we're so connected collectively, the reality is shifting and changing uh, faster and we're seeing more immediate effects and maybe these villains are kind of our own kind of way to to handle the evil right by making it yeah. so ridiculous i don't know yeah like yeah. it's it's becoming i don't want to say there's a split but it's like there is a split and what that looks like is people are po polarizing to one path or the other uh faster now right so you see a clear like split in people even the, even though it's becoming increasingly obvious to someone like you i or bear or people listening that it's so ridiculous the agendas that are being played out it's like so unbelievably obvious it's like the the meme it's like i'm not interested in conspiracy theories i'm in, interested in am i allowed to cuss on here oh uh, we try to keep it you can do whatever you okay. want yeah. well, okay well, i'll say wait wake the heck up it's so obvious theories and it's like that's what it is though right it's like it's becoming so increasing like so unbelievably obvious to to people who are paying attention who are understanding of these things but that's the split in society we are splitting people are polarizing towards the negative path people are polarizing towards the positive path uh, a lot more people are staying more in in the middle and that's what jesus would have called the lukewarm right and what i think jesus meant by that when he said uh, it is better to be hot or cold than it is to be lukewarm. If you are lukewarm, I'll spit you back out of my mouth. Think of it as him representing God embodied. I will spit you back out of my mouth, meaning that you will need to come back again mm -hmm. until you can figure this out. I'm spitting you back out, back onto this planet or on another planet or another plane of existence so that you have to experience this again until you learn to, uh, through your own free will choice to polarize positively or polarize negatively. Yeah, I think that's what we're experiencing so, right now. So no riding the fence this time around. Correct. If you ride the fence, yeah. and it's not bad. It's not like an eternal hell place from, from my perception and understanding of it. You may have to relieve karmic debt and go spend some time somewhere to heal that. But I think you just come right back as in, a, in another third, third density body as another human being, uh, continuing to exercise your free will until you choose one path or the other.
We, you could yeah. say we almost you know, have a, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say you could say we almost have an epidemic of riding the fence right now. <laughs> because oh, brother. a new normal or the normal i want to go back to the way it was i want to just watch football and drink beer and eat cheetos um you know and uh that is uh what we're being pro what's being propagated right now it's being really the reality is forcing the jesus spitting us out like really it's time like hey you're gonna get with it and you're going to uh act in love and service to others and fix what's going on or are you going to go down the dark choose the darkness because it's kind of like people aren't going to be able to ride the fence much longer it seems like yeah and and to be clear on this too in in my perception of it and i think raw reiterates this so so much and so do so do like uh like even Buddhist traditions, Taoist traditions is the need to do the inner work, right? Like the need to actually reflect and uh, uh, bring about your own darkness to heal it, right? Like to do, like understand your inner faculties, do childhood trauma healing. Trauma is relative. Everyone has experienced <clears throat> some bit of trauma that they need to heal and reflect on. And I think it's so unbelievably important to do the work because when you do the work internally to clean up your internal environment, uh, free yourself of those negative emotions that have taken hold on you, the more you wake up to the toxicity that is uh, being perpetrated on the entirety of humanity in the external environment, right? So for the people who have not done the work or don't want to go there, because it is very hard, especially if you've experienced quite a bit of trauma, it's hard to go there and, and, and feel those emotions again and bring them to the surface and deal with them. It's not easy work, but it is necessary work in order to heal and in order to get to the fundamental aspect of who and what we truly are and make the authentic choice to express yourself uh, as your whole self. Yeah. You know, the inner journey, it's so important. It's not just about being still and coming to peace with yourself, all great stuff, but it's really so we can start getting the downloads because there have been, you know, root races on this planet and every root race. So I'm told, you know, people like Steiner and a lot of other sources talk about this, where each root race would develop um, a certain attribute within the collective. And you mentioned collective, I think, Mike, uh, you know, collective understanding that it's really a unified force field or informational field that we all have access to. We really don't have to go to university or get teachers. If we know if we know how to properly go inside, we'll get all the downloads. Now, there's one that Steiner talks about, a root race that uh, was from a civilization we'll just call Mu or Lemuria. And what their attribute that they developed was, was the will force. And, and I bring this up because, Alec, you mentioned that. And, uh, you know, this so-called free will or will force, what it's really about is mobilizing our own internal energy flow and letting it rise so that we can manifest our vision. And then also at the same time, draw our, land, uh, our line in the sand so that other people aren't encroaching on our free will. And uh, then, you know, later root races, uh, you know, develop more attributes on the mental plane and, you know, all necessary attributes. But I think now is a time where we're drawing into those downloads from all the, the root races and needing to draw upon all those attributes in order to, um, you know, bring in with whatever's next. You know, we don't just go overly mental like our 
world seems to be today. And we don't go just total into will force, which is like with the lack of the mental element or, or very little of it and just living in that moment, you know, so they all have their time and place. And what I see out there is, sorry, this is becoming a commentary, um, but this what I good. see going on there, <laughs> what I see going on more today is that people really need to tune into their will force, learn how to mobilize it, utilize it. And even in natural medicine, we associate it with kidney energy and certain things and, and uh, you know, help people understand how they waste that energy and sort of lose that ability to really mobilize a strong force field to, you know, my will be done. Uh, anyway, uh, any, any comments on that? Well, something that you said there that really struck me, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it brought about this thought, tying it back to the law of one, mm -hmm. that Ra talks about the, or, or Don, uh, the person that asks Ra the questions during the channeling, asks Ra what percentage uh, you would need to polarize because there's a spectrum, right, of, of uh, service to self, the, the negative path, and the service to other paths, the positive path. And then there's a large spectrum in between. And Don asks Ra what percentages uh, are required, roughly, to, to actually polarize and advance and go into higher realms on the positive path or the negative path. And for the negative path, Raw lays out that it requires 95% service to self. So think of someone who is knowingly manipulating other people, uh, maybe wrapping up things in a shroud of virtue, trying to get people to buy in with their own free will to relieve some karmic debt for that person. Uh, I think of a lot of things that are going on with COVID come to mind with that, where it's like, oh, this is good for you. This is good for the planet. Buy into this, getting people to fall to their own demise. That's the negative path, 95%. But what Ross says about the positive path, and this is one of those things that hit me just like on an intuitive level, it just makes so much sense, is in order to polarize positively, all it requires is 51% service to others and 49% service to self, which strikes me as balance. And what you said there, that's, I just remember what it was, talking about the line in the sand while also operating from position of love and compassion and speaking authentically on who you are, right? is that's what that balance is. You, you, you operate from a position of love and compassion, but you get to the internal workings of who and what you are. You express that authentically while in this lifetime, but then you also draw a line in the sand and you say, I will not allow someone else to impose their will upon myself or upon other people. Because yes, you could advance going 95% service to our service to other, but you're going to be a martyr. You're just going to leave yourself up for other people to take over you and beat the crap out of you. And like, yes, that may help you positively polarize. Uh, and again, that percentage spectrum is 51% all the way to hundred percent service to other. Right. But, but by being a martyr, you are leaving room for other people to have their will infringed upon and, and, and people to impose their will on them. By being balanced, 51% service to other, 49% service to self and standing and saying, I will not allow you to do that to me. You are also making the same choice to defend for other people. So it more authentically gives them the ability to operate out of their free will in service to other service to self path. Yeah, well said, well said. Mm, and, uh, you know, we live in this in this time where uh, a large portion of people have really been convinced that uh, there's all these authorities in their life. 
And uh, so it makes it pretty difficult just to have your own life, make your own decisions, you know, when you're asking for permits and, and uh, you know, doing everything you're told to do. And so I don't see any way around the inner game here. You know, there's just, I don't care what kind of paperwork we have or what kind of academics we have backing up our position. Uh, you know, if we aren't coming from that singularity, that, that one source, uh, you know, so it really is uh, uh, what some people describe as a, a spiritual skirmish, what's going on now. So can you maybe address some of the uh, work that you're doing just to support people in the outer world and, and how to find that and how to change the whole societal situation? Yeah, so the the idea behind Health Freedom for Humanity came about uh, roughly October of 2020. And I was sort of sitting, looking around, I was like, wow, there really needs to be more of a community movement that shows that like, you know, we have, we have Children's Health Defense, who is a great organization. We have ICANN, who is a great organization, but they are very top down. And that like, when you think of Children's Health Defense, you think of Robert F. Kennedy Jr. When you think of ICANN, you think of Del Bigtree. With Health Freedom for Humanity, I wanted to show, especially like really hit home the message that health freedom is a community led move, uh, movement from all walks of life. Like we have people of all religions, all races, all socioeconomic backgrounds, all uh, political affiliations that are all united in the common perception that every single individual should have a right to choose what is best for their own health without coercion or force, which is really, really, really simple. And it's crazy to me that an organization like this even needs to exist, but here we are. The, the point being though, that we're really trying to show people that this is a community led thing that is coming from the ground up. And we've actually just launched our California chapter and we're in the middle of launching chapters in 47 other States and then 21 countries. And it'll be a slow rollout process, really just trying to create community. I've had people who are starting these chapters, like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I want to instill in them the consciousness of not seeking outside of self constantly for someone to tell you what to do, tell you how to do it. The important thing is you determining what is best for you and your community at a community level and taking it from there rather than constantly seeking outside of yourself to determine what is best. And then on top of that too, it's like what California is dealing with with regards to health freedom is going to be different than what Texas is dealing with or what Florida or what the UK or what uh, Victoria and Australia is dealing with. So it's going to be different uh, in each location. But the point is creating community around health freedom and the, the reality. I don't want to say the idea, the actual reality that each of us has the choice uh, to choose what is best for our own health. Mm, so it's a global, I love that, that it's a global thing you're doing, uh, but you're basing it, you're grounding it in locality. So you're kind of embracing the law of one there that we're all together, but also we have our, um, our own little aspect of ourselves we need to deal with. Um, by the way, the LA chapter, you started um, uh, a uh, partner here and son of Bear Lando uh, happened to be live across the street from where you had the meeting and found, found themselves there. And it was awesome because they were able to, you know, speaking of law of one, well, the law of attraction is part of that and that seems to have pulled them in they didn't even know this was happening and that's so rad it was like their spot they go to for for just to kind of hang out at this golf course in venice beach and um 
were there and I was trying to connect them with some of the practitioners and speakers that were at Music and Sky on Telegram and boom, they were all there in person. So they all got to meet and now they're going to be connecting and hanging out. And you know what was really cool about that, Alec, too, was that um, from what I was told, there was a lot of media and Hollywood people there. So that was, that's like, what uh, I heard. I heard quite a few people saying that, which is so rad. And, you know, I was, I, I can't say the name of this, but I was, I was a part of a call. I'll say with a bunch of uh, very influential people, some ESPN executives and stuff like that, like two and a half, three months ago. Um, and I was kind of like, why the, f uh, why the heck am I here? Like, what, what am I doing here amongst all of these guys? All like we're, we're in suit and tie. Some of them I recognize from being on ESPN and, and other organizations some very well-known uh, business coach coaches and CEOs of fortune 500 companies, but they were all talking about how like, Hey, we are on the cusp of, of wanting to, to speak out against what's going on. We're really getting wow. to the point where we feel like we need to unite and sort of stand up to this because it's getting ridiculous. So hearing that and also being a part of hearing what you said about the, uh, the, the LA chapters meeting, and then also being a part of this call with a bunch of, uh, executives was it's it's really cool because I really think we're getting to the point where more and more people again going back to the law of one are having to polarize and choose to speak up on on this or you know face repeating and coming back again over and over again until they figure it out yeah and and I yeah. think uh and go ahead bear no, I was just going to say there's the opportunity. And, you know, as a lot of people are waiting for the other shoe to drop, it's like, no, 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 no. Uh, you know, all the dastardly things that we're witnessing now are, they've been there for centuries. They're just out in full view now, but that's exactly where we want them. You know, when you're treating a body, one of the things you try to do is drive everything from the core to the surface and then, you know, out and be done with it. So that's exactly what's happening on the planet. But it was great. You know, Mike, uh, you know, my son called me and said, dad, I was at this thing and, and a bunch of people knew you, you know? And, that's so and cool. then so Mike told me, yeah, so then Mike connected, but we see this organically happening now where, you know, the tribes are gathering and, and, you know, what you described there uh, when you're, uh, you know, talking about what you're up to, it really sounds suspiciously like our original constitutional republic, uh, you know, where we had the, the states were sovereign from the federal government, which was the weakest tier of uh of organization. And then, uh, you know, your county seats were even more sovereign. The townships were even more sovereign. And then each individual, you know, was the ultimate sovereign, albeit without subjects, you know, unlike the old monarchs. And uh, it was really a beautiful system. And of course, the Constitution follows natural law. Uh, you know, it uh, is a combination of a lot of great minds, including Native American uh, you know, input into it. Uh, so we have the perfect blueprint and it's all there for us. And I think it's just been waiting for us to catch up with where it's been at all along. And just like when Franklin said, well, a constitutional republic, if you can keep it, I think we're ready to keep it right now. Yeah. And I'm really trying to focus on like decentralizing this organization. I'm really into uh, yeah. just the decentralization of everything. And uh, that's why I don't want this to be like a top down, like where there's one person in charge of health, freedom, free humanity, and then like everything branches off of that. I want it to be the other way where it's like, let's say a year or two from now, health, freedom, free humanity grows so much. You can't even tell who's who, who's what everyone's just a part of it. And you don't even know like, okay, we can take out this local chapter, but then there's 
hundreds of other ones and who are all doing their own thing. They're like all really different. I can't figure out what the organizational structure is. That's the whole point behind it is like, you don't, everyone's a part of it from all walks of life. They can't label us. They already had trouble doing that when they came out with a hit piece on us in the guardian, like two months ago, they were trying to frame us as profiteering off of the pandemic. And just based on going on our website, they couldn't really figure out how to frame us as super far right leaning. We had people from all walks of life, all races. They were just like kind of at an odds of what, what they could do or say. So I think we're having a massive effect in showing uh, going against the mainstream narrative, especially that health freedom is a bunch of super far right leaning Trump supporting people. It's ridiculous. Yeah, decentralization is key. And, you know, that's a big passion of mine. And I think uh, that's spot on. And if you have, you're, you're basing this on the tenets of like universal law, right? Like we're all should be free to choose. Um, we should have the, the rights uh, inherent that the creator has given us. And I, that transcends all political, ethnic, you know, um, backgrounds, uh, so yeah, they can't, they can't put their finger on natural law because it, it's like, it's, uh, infinite. Right. Um, and I was just going to say in terms of the Hollywood people, and this kind of ties in with what you're doing in, in decentralization, I'm sure a lot of those people don't want to be working for ABC or working for these, these massive, um, corporations that don't have a creative inkling, right. They, they can't create inherently because of their service to self and they're where they're coming from. So they, what they do is they prey upon the creators who get routed yes. into these corporations. And so if we can empower them to create their own networks, their own, um, production companies uh and and that to me and what brian and i were talking about and what he came out so inspired and what a lot of people were saying is we are on the cusp of a renaissance of an emergence of new art of all this stuff coming out of truth and and these universal laws that will actually be i think a new hollywood but it won't be hollywood it'll be called something else it'll be decentralized it'll just be creators doing their yeah. own art, doing their own works, and finally having the ability to distribute themselves without needing to go through these centralized middlemen. <clears throat> and I think that has been a, a massive, um, this has been propelled and expedited a lot faster thanks to the lockdowns and all these mandates and everything, because even people in the, in the industry are seeing their livelihood being destroyed um, by this, even to those people that they used to worship. So yep. it's, it's definitely fracturing and, and falling apart. And we have the solutions. Cordal, by the way, just, we just launched a, a, our, our first couple test data nodes um, and hosting stuff. So um, for those familiar with Cordal, and I know, Alec, you have a little bit of uh, familiarity with that. We are mm -hmm. moving towards phase three, which will allow for complete decentralized hosting. Um, on a decentralized system so that you'll be able to have, for instance, Health Freedom for Humanity on its own node, a data node that is completely distributed across the world and all these other nodes. And um, there's no center point of attack. So the GoDaddies or the domain registrars won't be able to censor or take you down. And, um, you know, gosh, we're right on the cusp of a revolution. Of it. So important, man. Like everything you're doing with Cordal uh is is unbelievable and i'm still trying to understand exactly how it works i just talked to jason and i was like please just just take this and do do with what you will i have no idea how it works but it's so important so unbelievably important uh i've said this a few times like i'm trying to and everyone else should be as well 
do everything you can to just decentralize your life in so many ways from the system, make yourself self-reliant, make your community self-reliant. I know of, uh, I can't name names, but some people in California who have taken their kids out of the school system, found other families to take their kids out of the school system, found some teachers to pull out of the school system and have their own underground schools outside the system. And that's what it requires. That's what it requires is making yourself self-reliant outside the system. And instead of trying to petition this system to change, trying to beg it to change, trying to, you know, uh, attack the system, just go take your energy and form new systems that are so much more uh, beautiful, that are so much more appealing that they make the old systems obsolete. That's where we need to be focusing our attention on. And a project like Cordal is exactly what that is. Yeah, Mike does the same thing for me. I just say, hook me up. I don't get it, but I've got my Blackberry here and all ready to go and a Raspberry <laughs> Pi, whatever you call it. I know. And I need, um, so I need anyway, to be dialed with that. Uh, uh -huh. And, and uh, also, Alec, I'd love to get you dialed if we haven't already um, on a Raspberry Pi kind of it looks like this um and i need to get mine reconnected yeah please i don't even know what that is but please yes it's just a little <laughs> it's a little mini computer that it uses you could run on a small uh solar panel if needed oh wow so, and as long as you have internet connection for now we are working towards having mesh networking that's down the line once we have um, you know, a, a vast network. Um, and we're talked about satellite or balloons, whatever your perspective is on that, using those um, to also connect, but we just have to be online together, but you could use a solar panel on this and bear. We do have the new um, operating system all dialed. It's way easier to use. I need, I'll get it set up. I need to get you set up ASAP and start minting um, because that's the thing. It's like, I'm paid some of our people. This was amazing that came and worked for us at Fort Music and Sky in court. They're like, can you pay us in court? I'm like, yes, I'll pay you in court. Are you kidding me? So it's already happening. People don't want the dollar. They see every second that you have a dollar bill in your wallet, it's losing its value. Um, it's the succubus uh, money uh, system. So very, very powerful stuff. And yeah, we'll get you dialed. Um, for Health Freedom for Humanity, um, do you have a foundation behind it? How did you set up? Because this is something Bear and I have been working on pretty intensely will bear, especially with some of his friends in this new ways of, uh, of setting up a business to work in the private. So you're not, um, you know, going through the traditional 501c or the, or the, you know, in the public. Through the this government is system. such a good question because I was just, so we are set up as a 501c3, but, but I have been looking into setting us up as a church, full disclosure, like I'm totally okay with saying that rather than setting up as a 501c3 for many of the things you're alluding to right now. So, um, yeah, we're, we're heavy into that right now. So we're land-based. So the first thing we're focused on is finishing up our land patent. So we have, we're actually have standing on the land. Then there's our change of status. But rather than a change of status based on state citizenship or whatever, which is all legit, and I've actually done a lot of that in the past, uh, we're talking about change of status according to the League of Nations, which is a whole nother tier of uh, reality that uh, gives you, you know, uh, another, you know, good buffer, we'll say, from the beast. And then you uh, uh, combine that with trust, irrevocable trust private membership associations, and then LLCs to simply 
interface. If you have to run a business or if you need a wholesale number, resale number, something like that. And uh, you're really doing everything by the book, by everybody's book. Uh, you're staying in honor. You're not struggling with anybody, but you don't take on any liability. The most interesting thing is when you structure yourself right, now the IRS starts working for you. Now, I, I'm in hopes that the IRS won't be around too much longer, but all they are is, uh, of course, is an independent foreign bookkeeping organization for uh, the banking cartel. Yep. But if you do things properly, then if you have any things to settle, you know, you go to the IRS and say, hey, fix this for me and put them in their proper position, which is, is employee uh, that wouldn't have a job or any energy or currency to work with unless we existed in the first place. So all the pieces are come together, coming together, and it's very gratifying to me because we've been down a lot of rabbit holes. I've taken a lot of arrows in my back by doing stupid things, just trying to figure things out. But it seems like just right now, perfectly with everything we're talking about, including what uh, people like Mike are doing with getting the electronics on board because communication is so important. So we really now are on the precipice of um, having the best of both worlds in, in every imaginable way. Well, I have to consult with you guys then on that, because especially since you've already taken so many arrows in the back, figuring it out. <laughs> I am so yeah. new to this. Uh, I won't even pretend to know what the heck I'm talking about with this. I have the understanding of it. I've uh, wow. watched quite a few videos of, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Robert Michael and I've talked with him yeah. several times. Yeah. So we're working um, with him. Yeah. He's great. Uh, so I, I'm understanding of it, but it literally is like using the English language in a completely different way. It's like speaking another language, but using English. It's so like a whole nother thing. I explained it to my wife. I was like, this would be like me having to relearn germ versus terrain theory and the intricate details of that, except for times 10. It would take that much longer for me to really, really, really fundamentally understand this. Yeah. And in the legal system, we refer to that as color of law. You know, black means white, white means black. So you just have to know the game and uh, understand more importantly who you are in the game and your options of uh, whatever character, whatever role you want to play in the game. You know, we were never told there were options or that there's even a game in the first place. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's all coming together. So um, we talked a little bit, you know, off air, I think we're off here about uh, you maybe going into the farming business um, with, uh, or just lifestyle. I, I, it, to me, it's not a, it's a lifestyle. It really is. And it's a wonderful lifestyle, but um, anything cooking in that level or uh, ways you see yourself developing in that direction? Yeah, I mean, so there, there's just so much uh, potential because we're on 70 acres in the middle of the woods near the Kansas river. We have a greenhouse that we're building. Um, we have a lot of fertile land that we, we need to figure it out and put some topsoil on it, but we're looking to really start a, a farm here. We just don't know what the hell we're doing whatsoever. So also needing to consult with people on that, but there's, there's so much potential here. And I'm obviously very in tune and interested with regenerative agriculture and regenerative farming and having talked with Rob Herring, also Rob Reiner, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with, he's the CEO of CropSwap, um, which is a, a, an app that essentially, if you are growing organic produce, 
you can put your organic produce on this app and sell it directly to the consumer within 48 hours of being picked. So in certain locations in California right now, if people subscribe to certain farms on CropSwap, they will have 40 pounds of organic produce delivered to their doorstep within, uh, within four or 48 hours of being picked for 40 bucks a week. So it's an unbelievable project. So I've been talking with him. Also been talking with Nick Wallace, who uh, is out of um, Iowa. He runs uh, Wallace Farms. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, the, the meat stick company. It's from a regenerative agriculture meat stick company called Nick Sticks. And they come two in a pack, but that's his farm. So I've been talking and consulting with a few people to try to figure out exactly what we want to do, but we still have literally no idea what we're doing but it's a process and luckily you told me right before we started recording uh farming is 95 percent winging it so we're full-on winging yep. it right now and you just learn to tune in and the land and whatever you're growing is going to tell you exactly what to do but you know uh just starting out it's the best possible place to be in the surfing world we call it a grommet and uh grommets always have the most fun because you're on a new adventure and and you know it's just stepping into new territory so uh so you'll have a great time. And, you know, with decentralized farming, you know, we say we have a farm here. It's really, you know, it's called Alpha Vedic Gardens because we're more of a, a boutique medicinal herb farm. You know, when you say farm, it connotes rows of corn and that yeah. sort of thing. And, you know, Which we is don't not do what that. It's but supposed to be anyway, though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was my point is we all have our little niche in the growing world. And if somebody wants a uh, you know, some bulk chow gulan from me and you're growing something else. Uh, I'm really going to look up this crop swap. I've never heard of it. That sounds great. And it's what's awesome. great about it Rob, is the, yeah. the guy behind it is an, an, an amazing, 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 very passionate human being. He's it's awesome. A, it's a legit app. Uh, Alec mentioned it a while ago on in one of our Telegram groups and I vetted it. And uh, it's really brilliant because it's decentralizing the CSA design, the model that market farmers have been really doing successfully, which is that memory membership idea, right? Where you're a small market farm that has a specific amount of members that get uh, weekly shipments to them. So they pay a monthly fee than to have produce coming to them, depending where you live. Uh, SoCal, for instance, when we lived in LA, we had a membership and every week we get a box of produce. So what he's done is they, what they've done is taken that model and then decentralize it even more. So now you can get it from multiple places in your area depending on what your uh, likes are. And then so you can have more variability and more robustness in the market there. So once again, we can use this technology for all those that say the internet's bad and cell phones are bad and you know all that. Yes, there's aspects of centralization that we don't like, but if we can get private phones going and use these apps, we can really thrive. So um, I, what's funny is I do need to connect with him because I, I've been working on a bartering, decentralized bartering application to go on court that would be revolving around privacy but also um the 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 private or the private commerce back and forth similar idea dude i'll hook you up with him rob would love to talk to you because he is he is the one who sort of helped me come up with the phrase decentralize your life like Mm, he that is that is what his whole life and the, the whole intent behind this is based on i mean he just cannot stand the big agricultural companies and big food and obviously big pharma as well. And he's trying to get farmers outside of their grasps so that they can actually yeah. make more sense on the dollar. First off, because it cuts out the distributor, cuts out the grocery store. Yeah. And then also people are eating real foods at a much cheaper price. 
Oh, dude. Yeah. The just in time big ag system is failing. Look what's going on in South Africa right now. We're looking at potential millions starving because of the social unrest that was developed and engineered by the banksters, by whatever you want to go deep. That's a rabbit hole. But if you guys are know what's going on in South Africa right now, it is frightening. And because they are now raiding the trucks before they can get to the markets, the just-in-time system is failing there that was built built on monoculture. And they also, you know, they shook out all the white farmers there and pushed them out. And they're now seeing um, disaster, impending disaster. And we know that's a model for disruption that's coming our neighborhood near us. So yeah. this is Bear and I talk about this all the time. It's like, support your local farm, start growing your own food. Um, yeah. That is the future. And what you guys are talking about is really the next step beyond farmers markets because farmer markets still aren't COVID police proof, you know, if they want to go in there and bust it up and, you know, wear a mask or, or, or whatever else they have up their sleeve. <laughs> yeah. uh, this, this just goes right beyond that as well. So this is marvelous. And it's just an example of how people all over the world are tapping into their inner resources and just saying, nice try. And, and, and as you said, Alec, you know, rather than try to fight the system, just develop a better widget. That's all it takes, right? Because like once you do that and you actually live it and practice it, people look at the system they're in and they see you and everyone else over there and they're like, damn, that looks way better. Those people are having a great time. Let's just go over there. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, So go ahead, Bear. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, um, what is your vision, Alec, for where you see this all going in terms of uh, health, freedom for humanity with your podcast? You're, you recently jumped in this out of the military. Um, and I actually would love to know a little bit of your, um, you know, your insight into where the military is going and what was the kind of vibe that you had being in there with people in there? What <laughs> What are they thinking about what's going on right now? I know you were kind of leaving out of the Trump regime into the Biden regime. And I know there's all this, there was this Q conspiracies and all this stuff with the military coup d'etat. But really, what was your, uh, what was your experience and where do you see the military fitting into our future? So this is, this is such a good question. So there's so many ways I could attack this too. So the, first off, the military is so good with compartmentalization. So like, People that are in the space that you and I are in would send me stuff and be like, hey, have you heard anything about this? I'm like, no, I'm an assistant S3, meaning I'm an operations officer at a basic training unit in Oklahoma. So I was like, like a nobody, somebody because I was a captain, but also like a nobody. But also I was so this goes back to some of like my my trauma healing. This was more of it that came to the surface. I was so afraid speaking the way that I was, you know, over this past year and a half while being in the military, um, that I was just like counting down the days. I'm like, I need to just get out. I need to get out. I need to get out. I was so afraid of getting in trouble, uh, because I was one of the, I had someone tell me, you know, amongst all the people in the department of defense, you're probably the most outspoken voice on some of these issues. And I was like, that is a very scary thing to hear. But it was elements of my childhood trauma that still were resurfacing where I was afraid of authority. Um, that, that eventually came to head and I had to deal with a lot of those emotions associated with it that I had, I guess I had suppressed and didn't realize I had. And, uh, that all came in the form of when this article came out in the guardian in, 
I want to say it was April, the very beginning of April. And this was three and a half weeks before I was to be done with the army completely. Like out, I was done officially on April 29th or 30th. And uh, this reporter contacted me knowing, finding out that I was the executive director of health freedom for humanity. And he said, um, you know, here's your right to reply. This is what we are going to write in this article. You are a former army lieutenant. So you had found my U S army world-class athlete program profile on Google, on a Google search. And it says that I was an army lieutenant. So he probably did some math in his head and it said former. So he was like, okay, this guy's no longer in the army, but he was. And I was like, I'm in the clear. This isn't going to draw a lot of attention to anything. I'll be good. A week later, he responds again and says, cause he, I didn't reply to him. He said, we have confirmed with the U S army public affairs office that you are currently serving as a captain. And I was just like, Oh boy, here we go. Here we go. And somehow, and I think there's, there's elements of being divinely protected in this. I wasn't blasted everywhere. Like he wrote the article, but I was so kind when I eventually responded and what health freedom for humanity is about. You can't really frame that in a bad way that we fundamentally believe every single human being has the right to determine what's best for their own health. How can you possibly frame that as something bad? So the article came out, they said that I like, like us army captain, uh, Alex Zek is the executive director, director, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and my commander. So my boss's boss, my brigade commander contacted me and he was like, Hey, why am I getting contacted by the public affairs office of the U S army, uh, talking about you being an anti-vaccine conspiracy theorist. So I was like, wow, I really have flown under the radar this whole time. Cause I really didn't make everyone aware on my social media posts that I was in the army. Like most often when I would talk to people, like talk to someone like Mike behind the scenes, I'm like, I'm a U.S. army captain. They're like, what you're in the army. And I was very quiet about it. Um, but essentially that, that like, now that I'm out, I can, I can speak freely. And, and it was just interesting how that all played out and, and helping me heal that wound of being so afraid of authority. But to, to speak to what was happening in the army, I can say fully now that the army is going right in line with this sort of communist subversion that many of our institutions are currently experiencing right now. And it's a very scary thing to see. And I think it's because in the army, although, especially as an officer, especially being taught at West Point, we are taught to critically think. We are taught to always choose the harder right over the easier wrong. But when you have someone above you and then someone above them saying that this is the right thing to do, this here is the right thing to do, and you have everyone, every superior officer following right align with that, you don't question it. You're not going to question it, especially like as you and, and Bear and all the people listening know when they have, quote, science that they put out. That is, here is, this vaccine is efficacious. Anyone who questions this is a crazy conspiracy theorist who's trying to deliberately cause harm. It's, it's those sentiments that are pushed in the army. And to the person who has not had the experience that I've had, where I saw my mom transform with the help of Dr. Kelly Brogan, then saw my wife transform, they're going to buy into that automatically because that is what everyone else in the army is buying in, into. And then the other piece of that, aside from the health piece, because the army is fully in line with that and coercing soldiers who are resisting, coercing them very, very, very heavily to receive this shot outside of any science to back it up, because there is no science to back it up, obviously. Um, but even aside from that, they're also very much in a weird way where you can't really put your finger on it. They're upholding many communist ideals and really, really, really trying to get... Uh, 
get the military to buy into this very leftist agenda. And I want to be clear with this. And I think it almost goes without saying, but I feel like I have to, I am not at all right-leaning. I'm very much a voluntarist. And I think the entirety of the federal government is corrupt. But the point is, we cannot deny that there is a full-blown authoritarian, uh, super far left-leaning mentality that is taking over. And at the least, more often than not, the people that are more right-leaning, although I do not agree with them that Trump was, you know, actually won the election and that I, I don't agree with any of that. I think it's all show personally, and I'm, I'm not offended if anyone disagrees with that. But the point is that at least people on that side of the spectrum are more uh, open to freedom and freedom of choice. So that's why you see people that are more so aligning with people that are either on the right or libertarian minded. And uh, the, the army, it, it is really disturbing to see the army go full, full blown uh, leftist in their in their mentality. Yeah, that, that's really disturbing in light of uh, what we see happening with uh, the U.S. interests subservient to other international interests. Uh, and so is there any um, pushback within the military itself? Is that, uh, is that highly polarized? Is it pretty much all, you know, overwhelmingly leaning in one direction? And uh, part two of that question, is there enough within just the regular ranks of folks that will like, um, uh, you know, refuse the jab in order to, uh, you know, are there enough of those people that could make a difference and, and even catch the attention of the hierarchy to say, you know, well, maybe we can't push them that far. So this is a really good and very timely question because I have been on a few phone calls with, with some officers in the army who are very skeptical of this shot as they should be, do not want to receive this shot. And they're trying to figure out exactly the, the proper steps to take. And we and uh, myself and uh, two other West Point graduates that are no longer in the Army as well, um, and our very understanding of everything that's going on, all the agendas at play, are trying to determine how best we can help these people. Um, I do think that there's enough pushback in the military to where September 1st, they're saying they're throwing this date out that by September 1st, the Department of Defense will mandate the shot for all uh, soldiers, airmen, Marines, and uh, I'm missing one, soldiers, airmen, Marines, and uh, sailors. Yeah, Navy. Navy. <laughs> I forgot the Navy. Never forget um, the Navy. I always forget the Navy, though, because we, we, we say beat Navy being West Point uh, graduates, so I always <laughs> think of them last. But, uh, but the point is, I think it's just a scare tactic to try to get the, those who are currently dissenting to comply, because the last I saw, and I can't put an exact number on it, but the last I saw, there was, all, there was still a large portion, a substantial amount of people within the military who are saying no to the shot despite all of these coercive measures. And what those coercive measures have looked like is, as an example, at West Point, there were uh, what we have is between our sophomore and junior year, what's called cadet field training. It's a training exercise that we have to do in the summertime. They were actually taking the unvaccinated cadets and putting them in tents, like a 20 person drash tent, putting 35 to 40 of them all in this one tent, co-ed men and women in there together having to be masked 24 seven in the heat of the summer. Meanwhile, their vaccinated counterparts are able to be completely unmasked and living in open bays with air conditioning, plenty of room. So, and then, and then on top of that, they had the head medical officer at West Point 
forget her name. Um, she, she's a colonel, but she was going into the unvaccinated tent. We were getting reports from the unvaccinated cadets that she would go into the unvaccinated tent like every other day and essentially call them science deniers, grandma killers, um, saying that she can't wait to jab the shot in their arm once it gets mandated. And these are the measures that, uh, that soldiers, uh, it's not just at West Point, we were, we're seeing similar things happen at every duty station across the United States and across uh, the globe, really, where soldiers are being coerced in this way. And it's really sad. I'm like, yes, I understand that the, that the wars that we have involved ourselves with and the, the direction that the military has gone, even with the war on terror, uh, is not what we are being told, right? And what we have signed up for as soldiers is, is not actually conducive to, to up, upholding freedom in any way whatsoever. We're actually just carrying out the directives of multinational corporations in these tyrannical government systems. But these people are still human beings with good intention. So we should still be doing everything that we can to fight for them and, and, and to ensure that they have the right to choose what is best for their own health. So we're trying to determine the best course of action with that. And I think there is enough people in the military who are at least dissenting when it comes to the shot. But the direction of the military with regards to a very leftist agenda, I think the military is completely captured in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I find it funny that uh, Trump, who supposedly cared so much about the military, was pushing the vax. You know, it's like that makes no sense whatsoever. It's completely weakening your, yeah. your soldiers. And I, I got to imagine Trump was getting intel on that. That's why that was the biggest red flag, red herring for me with Trump is he was a he was a big pharma stooge, just like all the rest, probably working right for BlackRock and Vanguard, right, for his yep. Jesuit masters. Um, really interesting, um, though, obviously, we know the Biden administration is is on the same par with Soros and the globalists and doesn't want a strong U.S. military, or at least in a way they're transitioning in tra to a transhumanistic controlled soldier that will be completely out of free will. This yeah. is the design that they're moving towards so that this, the, the new model of the soldier will be more of like a cyborg um, that will then just be controlled by centralized servers, right? Where they're like how they, the drones of today will be the soldiers of tomorrow. Brother, you're spot on. And this is just real quick. This is exactly why I, I had this thought the other day. And it's really very obvious. The reason outside of all of the science, because there is none to, to justify, even if you buy into the germ theory of disease, there is no science to justify coercing these, the rest of these soldiers who are dissenting to receive this, this shot. None, none. Even if you buy into the concept of herd immunity, right, which I don't think is actually a thing, there's plenty of, quote, herd immunity, according to their, quote, science, that shows these soldiers have absolutely no reason to take the shot. Even, again, using the germ theory approach, this shot has not been showed to limit what's called, quote, transmission or confer immunity whatsoever. All it does is reduce symptoms. So outside of any logic whatsoever, they're coercing these soldiers to receive this shot. Really what I think they're doing, which is right in line with what you're saying, is they are trying to remove any other dissenters who actually logically and critically think outside of the military and just rid the military of them. So all they have left is exactly what you're describing. Yeah. And, and isn't it interesting that in past times in other cultures, the ultimate warrior was first taught how to go inward and conquer themselves, know themselves, and really get in touch with their true essence, uh, and then, you know, really become 
the most efficient fighting machine possible because they didn't even have a desire to fight in the first place unless it was honorable to defend themselves and they would never cause harm for harm's sake. Whereas now, you know, we have what you're describing. So uh, quite an incredible change. And then meanwhile, you look at other places, you know, like in uh, the old Soviet, you know, Russia, where they're training like real soldiers. Again, you look at those guys and uh, they could probably kick ass over most of the folks that are enlisting right now in our country. So, yeah, it's it's a real unsettling kind of trend. And I'll go out on a further limb. Uh, and, and you've been very generous with your time here, you know, and, and uh, I'm really delighted that we get to talk to you tomorrow because there's so much more I'd like to talk to you about. So we'll see you over on your platform. But um, the last comment, you know, when it comes to the VAX, uh, in my experience over 40 years of biotrained medicine, uh, in my opinion, backed up by hardcore firsthand experience and clinical proof, there is no such thing as a vaccine in the history of vaccines that prevents anything. They do not prevent disease. Uh, in fact, disease is a whole nother rabbit hole to go down. It's not even what we think it is. And then generationally, each of these vaccines have been, uh, you know, gone to the next level of to where they are now, just uh, just overt genetic modification, deliberately designed to shut down the bandwidth of human perception to make us less than divine. And that's where we're headed. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to like, like share on that too. The, the things that I've come across lately, obviously I've interviewed Stefan Lanka, interviewed Dr. Cowan, Dr. Kaufman, Amanda Vollmer. Um, the, the two things that really shoot the entire germ theory, especially when it comes to virology in the foot are Stefan Lanka's recent control experiments where he showed pretty conclusively multiple times now. And from what I'm hearing, it's going to be published in a peer reviewed journal here soon that uh, the conditions of the experiment in a Vero cell culture or, or any cell culture type where they uh, are said to have proven that there is a pathogenic disease causing microscopic particle, the conditions of the experiment are the cause of what the cell experiences, which is the cytopathic effect, rather than the supposed infectious material uh, from the sick person, right? And St Stefan Lanka is showing that pretty conclusively. And then also ironically, John Enders, who developed this process, had uh, said that himself. He said, you know, when, when we've controlled this experiment and not introduced snot from a sick person, it still experienced the same cytopathic effect. Further research needs to be done. But then John Enders went on to win a Nobel Prize. And because he won a Nobel Prize, they just adopted everything else he had developed, including the cell culture, culture method of virus isolation. Um, but yeah. that piece of evidence, one, and then two, something that uh, one of Dr. Cowan's uh, followers found and sent to Dr. Cowan was a study titled appearances can be deceiving. And, uh, I think it was negative, uh, negative SARS-CoV-2 renal biopsies show what appears to be viral like inclusions. And essentially what this study showed these electron micrograph images of a cell experiencing a cytopathic effect, although they had tested negative in multiple ways, PCR, and I think two other ways for SARS-CoV-2, these cell uh, micrograph images had cellular debris that looked identical to what they are calling an isolated SARS-CoV-2. And this goes with exactly what Stefan Lanka, Tom Count, Andrew Kaufman, you both, and everyone else have been saying for so long that 
viruses are synonymous with exosomes and extracellular vesicles. And all they are is cellular debris. They are not pathogenic disease causing agents. And I think these two pieces of evidence together, uh, along with more of these uh, experiments that Stefan Lanker are doing, are shooting the entirety of virology in the foot. And I think it's time for this, this fraudulent science, really pseudoscience to end. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe tomorrow we'll have more time to talk about, uh, you know, I used to do uh, in-house labs on every single patient, thousands of people over many years. And uh, one of the main things that I'd measure on everybody before this was even a discussion was cell debris. And, you know, we can elaborate more on what that meant to me and how we would use it as a clinical barometer for people to get back their health. And also later on, that cell debris, of course, containing, uh, you know, DNA material could be used very handily to justify the existence of these so-called pathogens. So, and the one thing, you know, I'd say that cured me of any belief in, uh, in, in germ theory and, and, you know, whether or not vaccines are, are good or otherwise is just when I started seeing vaccine damaged kids, and just seeing heartbroken parents whose lives were changed that, you know, the kids' lives were changed forever. We did develop good protocols to retrain their nervous system and recover a lot of them, but it's absolutely heartbreaking. So, uh, yeah, when it came to uh, my own kids, it wasn't even a question. There's no way I would, you know, even expose them to that kind of filth. I wouldn't expose my worst enemy to that kind of filth. Yeah. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I mean, I've witnessed that with myself too. I mean, both of my kids are completely unvaccinated and they're so unbelievably healthy. And the more we've come across people who have completely unvaccinated children, the more we confirm that they are the healthiest kids around. They are so much more healthy than their, uh, than their peers who are vaccinated. And that's just the reality. And then you have on top of that, multiple peer-reviewed studies just in this past year by uh, Jack Lyons-Wheeler, Dr. Paul Thomas, and then Brian Hooker. I think three or four studies have come out uh, comparing the health outcomes of unvaccinated versus vaccinated kids. And they show conclusively that the unvaccinated children are much healthier than their vaccinated peers. And when you put the context in of what you're talking about, that, that no virus ever has ever been uh, shown to cause disease or really ever been proven to exist. It's obvious that vaccines, all they are is poison. They have no benefit whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. They are the, uh, and they are another... the prime movers and shakers of disease over the last 150, 200 years. And one thing I'll say, Bear, and then I'll let you chime in, then we got to wrap it up the qualitative aspects of the health, because I have two children who are also never been pricked, and the spiritual qualitative aspects of what they, what they show, they're tapped in, they're, they're, they're seeing other realms, they're, they're vibrant souls, um, they are connected, um, they are true humans, they are div divinity, they are the divine coming through. And I'm getting, I get emotional when I bring this up because that is the end game is to, to completely disconnect us from our divine nature. And it's just so disheartening to see their friends and fellow, you know, classmates who have gone down this other channel who are, are shells of human beings. And so, yes, props to you for for doing this for your children, because they will be the ones who inherit this world. Go ahead, Bear. Thank you. 
Yeah. The only, the only comment I was going to say is they absolutely lower IQ. Period. So when I was having my initial conversations with Barrett, because I was blessed to have him as a as a friend and as a someone to look up to and a mentor. What a good friend he was! He was in on this before with so many Dude, other people. <laughs> I would call him like Blakely's my wife. She's pregnant, and you know we're coming up to it. She's an RN. She she we're looking at all factors, um, and give me the short cliff notes on why not to do this thing. And that was one of the number one things is like your kid's IQ will be drastically. Uh, defected and will be and your kids if by my by maintaining their health and not not having those those jabs they will be top of their class they will be just so above and uh, and beyond the spiritual side just the the iq part is so true so 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 true yeah well hey alec thanks so much man this has been just absolutely epic bro i we could talk to you all day i mean i wanted to go deeper into the to the raw material and actually tomorrow maybe we can talk a little bit about edgar casey and how he had uh, talked about the law of one before those channelings uh dude let's do it i'm i'm yeah. like i that's why i'm so pumped that we get to talk to you tomorrow because we get to just continue on this conversation where we left yeah. off yeah there's a lot more in depth that um shows that those channelings are not just um you know someone's imagination anyways Thank you so much. Um, this has been such a, a powerful transmission. I hope everybody who's been listening has really enjoyed this. You can find all about Alex's work at healthfreedomforhumanities.org, healthfreedomforhumanities.org, and in the way forward. The way forward spelled fwrd.com. And you can, you can find us there. Uh, we're still editing that website a little bit, but that's where you can find us. Fantastic. And your podcast is crushing. You have all of our favorite people on it. I feel so aligned with you. Baron, I appreciate you so much, brother. We look forward to connecting with you tomorrow. Uh, is that going to be live or is that just a recording that you put out? That's later? a pre-recorded. I need okay. to like con consult with you on that too. Cause uh, you have the whole tech space figured out and I'm like a, like a 75, 80 year old man that has no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, uh, don't count yourself so short. You're crushing it, dude. Your telegram uh, is is destroying it right now. So good good work for you, brother. Uh, uh, and everybody, thanks for joining us today. Um, if you resonated with this conversation, please give us a like, a share uh, with your friends and family, depending on what platform you're following us on. You can find these uh, all these on Odyssey, which we recommend supporting and going on Odyssey. We still are on YouTube for the time being, but I'll be interested to see how long this one lasts because we did go there um but uh d live is our main point of transmission live right now i do understand odyssey i got to look into this is doing live streaming now so i got to get tapped into that we'll start focusing on that too i do want to embrace odyssey uh and um and library until cordal has our own uh streaming and uh, youtube type service thank you guys so much dr lando thanks again uh for holding space here such wise words we appreciate you so much and we'll let you get off to your family who's visiting. And everybody, get outside. Get your feet in the soil. Go plant something. Go on a hike. I'm going to go right now and take my dogs for a walk to the river and dive in into the cleansing waters of the Smith. Thanks to everybody who visited us recently and everybody who went to Music and Sky. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about Music and Sky, go to musicandsky.com. We have a growing, amazing community on Discord. And for those looking to join our Alpha Veda community, which is just crushing it as always join us on telegram at t.me forward slash alpha vedic also join us on discord at alphavedic.com forward slash discord we love you we appreciate you we'll see you next week
And um, we'll announce on our Telegram when our podcast with Alec uh, is live as well. So you're not going to want to miss that. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Cheers.